Hello, and welcome to the 11th episode of Pin Count, the podcast where we go deep into the tech. For not your normal tech news podcast, we dig into the APIs, look at the tech specs and sweat the details. Half an hour, once a week, we'll try and keep this short. We're not journalists or podcasters, we're developers and computer scientists. I'm Douglas Shearer, and I'm here with my co-host Ian Wallace. Hello, I think we are podcasts. Anyone listening to this is clearly listening to this podcast, so maybe we are podcasters. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> we need to take the once a week bit out of the intro, I think, because that... Because we're not once a week. So I guess we're not podcasters. We're certainly not once a week podcasters. <laughs> no. <laughs> okay, so what have we got this week? There was the Supercomputing 16 conference, I think it was two weeks ago now? Yeah, two weeks. One week ago? Yeah, it was the 14th. Um, we'll see if there's some exciting stuff there. We've got some exciting CPU charts. Um, a little bit of follow-up, and then we have some chat about games, consoles, and gaming PCs. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. So, I think the only interesting, well, maybe not the only interesting, but the most interesting thing I saw at Supercomputer, Supercomputing 16, is NVIDIA have lashed together a whole bunch of their DGX1 machines to create what is now the 28th fastest supercomputer in the world. Sort of purely GPUs, pretty much. So, it's, it's also the the most energy efficient, which basically means flops per watt is winning there. It's 124 of their DGX1s, uh, fast InfiniBand, so um, 100 gigabit per second switches between them. Yeah, it's quite impressive they've been able to take what is an off-the-shelf box and make this with it. Um, certainly the InfiniBand's the bit that sort of makes it because the boxes have got great interconnects inside them but to get that a fast enough interconnect to the outer world where you can have lots of them working together it's, it's um, quite impressive how much is one of these? oh they're like um, in pounds I was looking at the price of one of these the other day because uh, as you do when you're browsing the scan website it's about £175,000 per, um, <laughs> per DGX1 £10 million or so Twelve million, something like that. Yeah, that's quite cheap, really. Well, it's twenty-one million. Yeah. Oh yeah, sorry. Plus, plus all the infinity band. Yeah, and somewhere to put it. Somewhere to put it, and um, well, it's what three kilowatts per G- per DGX one. So it's, yeah, it's most energy power. efficient, but yeah, it's still still an awful lot of uh, power. But yeah, it's pretty cool. So how are NVIDIA pitching this? Are they looking to actually sell people clusters in this form or are they looking to have a bunch of the clusters and let other people use them as a service company? They have a lot of waffle, but they're showing off. That's that's basically it. Okay. Um, they claim they're using it for like chip design and things like that, but um, pretty much they're just showing off. It's advertising, yeah. basically. Yeah, it's advertising. It's a, come and speak to us if you're interested in this sort of thing too. Um, you mentioned this is again related to HPC as I came across this um, really interesting article on the microwaves knowledge base about so it's only looking at the e5 2600 v4s so that's the um dual socket xeons and only the ones targeted with the hpc and cluster applications but this is like the deepest dive into a cpu family i've ever seen it's got phenomenal graphs and charts so you can compare like core counts and frequency scaling and they've got these kind of interactive tabs so you can see what are, what's the maximum turbo boost frequency per core and you can you know as you increase the core count you're comparing it knocks off the cpus that can't do it um it's got avx instruction max clock speeds versus non-avx and so on and so on and then performance versus power and price and things like that it's really really yeah. nice really nice it makes my um the spreadsheets I make for each generation to compare them look quite sort of anemic in comparison. I certainly found the information about the AVX or the CPUs run lower clock speeds when running AVX instructions simply because of the extra power they, the specific hardware requires. So that's quite, that's 
equally impressive that they do it, but it's pretty cool to see it written down somewhere. Yeah, if you go, um, if you look at the knowledge base, in, we'll put the link to the specific article we're talking about. The knowledge base in general has got some lovely comparisons of uh, the previous generation as well, and so on. It's it's, it's nice, but um, I don't know if that's really follow up so much as uh, just we like talking about CPUs. So why not? This seems like the kind of thing that would be nice to see Intel provide in like this sort of user friendly way, you know, because just all the information's there. You can, like you say, you can make the comparisons with the chart. You can drill down, sort of work out what CPU may be best for an application you have. Um, yeah, I mean, taking cost into account. You'd think the art could just auto generate this stuff. Yeah, I mean, it just seems like a layer of sort of niceness on top of the information in the arc. The arc is. Uh, I, I use it. I probably go there a couple of times a week to look up things. But it's very unuser friendly. You have to know what you're looking for. Yeah. Um, so I guess related to um, going way into too much more information chips, is, is this really nice article on why the new MacBook Pros are limited to 16 gigabytes, comparing power consumption of DDRL versus non-L versions and uh, dim limits and things like this. And basically, I think as we discussed, it's probably because they only wanted two chips for size reasons, and then yeah, basically there's that limits you to. Uh, DDR3L and then if you want the low power because of the power savings and yeah therefore you're stuck with DDR3L and 16 gigs of chip. Yeah the interesting bit in this article for me was they were looking at other laptops that do have 32 and sometimes 64 um, gig of RAM in them and one of the things in the reviews of those laptops is people complained about the battery life. Well, Except one Lenovo where they said that had amazing battery life but then they only actually tested it with 8 gig. It's actually specifically it's not so much the in use or the peak power it's the standby power when they're in sleep mode because the low power DDR can consolidate into fewer chips if it's not using all the memory and power down the other ones and has much lower um, idle power usage and that's that's really it. it's the standby power. So how long you can leave them yeah. in standby. So the consolidation, I, I guess that relies on some sort of OS or kernel support to do that? Um, I think it's, it's in the RAM itself, I think. I think it's a feature of the RAM. Okay, that sounds quite interesting. I might need to look into that. This is pretty cool, though. Anyway, worth a read if you want way too much information on this. So we've kind of got um, one topic here, and it's, it's something we've had kind of rattling around our topic list for a while. And it's kind of to do with the fact that Modern consoles, PS4, PS4 Pro, Xbox One, etc., they're all x86 based. Specifically, they're all actually AMD APUs where they've got a GPU and a processor in, in one chip and x86 instruction sets. And now he kind of getting upgrading consoles is becoming a thing with the PS4 Pro. Yeah, the upgrading consoles thing is just where they're having like a, a half or a mid generation upgrade. Um, to a standard console generation I'm not sure what's brought this on I guess at the moment it may be VR and 4K like these things have actually come along in the middle of a console generation so it's hard to retrofit those things to like the well I think is it cause, you know do you call this a new generation I mean there's a huge difference I'll put the, I've got a link in here to the wiki page it's got nice detailed specs on the PlayStation for example and you know, if you just look in terms of raw performance, you've got the CPU going from 100 to 134 gigaflops, which is okay, a little bit of an increase. But then the GPU is over doubling in performance, going from 1.8 teraflops to, you know, nearly 4.2. It's uh, yeah, it's insane and enormous texture fill rate. Um, same sort of um, memory and so on, but yeah, just the bit of improved bandwidth from the higher frequency. But yeah, mostly it's you know, enormously more graphics processing cores and so on. This is 
That that um, almost doubling in graphics performance would fit with the sort of jump from 1080 to 4K in terms of the number of pixels on the screen. Well, well, four times the number of pixels in 4K. Yeah. So not even, you know, I'm surprised, which is kind of fits with people talking. Not many games actually do 4K, and yeah. those that do maybe not quite as good. I mean, even on the PC world, if you want smooth you know, max settings, 4K gaming, you're looking at a Titan XP, nothing else is really quite cutting it. Yeah. Um, but this this kind of move to x86 things kind of um, makes you compare, gives you more of a reason to compare gaming PCs against, against consoles, you know, because you kind of think, well, if most of the AAA games released are targeting one of these consoles, then they're targeting PC hardware, effectively, and, you know, these are powerful consoles, but it's relatively modest by PC hardware standards. So I've like I looked up some of the specs. So I mean, if you want to compare, let's face it, it's mostly the GPUs that matter for games. But if you want to compare the sort of the main consoles against PC graphics cards, I, I looked up some numbers earlier, and roughly I'm trying to sort of stay modern, PlayStation Four is about a GeForce ten fifty performance, and I don't even mean a ten fifty Ti. I mean a, just a ten fifty. Yeah, uh, Xbox One is a uh, close comparison. I found is a seven fifty tie, um, which is you know quite old now, and the PlayStation Four Pro is about a modern ten sixty six gigabytes, so not the crippled one, but the the, f- the full fat one. And these are you know by gaming PC standards quite modest. There's a couple of things with the console that always like, the thing. The one of the things that always amazed me is I had a original PlayStation Three, like one of the ones I think about it this, the second day. It was back when I had my first job and I was stupid, and yeah, four hundred and thirty pounds it was for the record. The lady in Sainsbury's when I was buying at me looked at looked at me like I was mental. Um, no, the Xbox One was four hundred at release. Pretty sure PlayStation was similar. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, buying it on the day release seems mad now. Like, I still don't have a PlayStation 4 or anything equivalent. Um, yeah, so that, that when that came out, when I, I look at the games that came out on that originally, and then I look at what the last game I bought for it, which was Grand Theft Auto V, um, the difference in graphics over that, however many years it was, seven years, something like yeah, that, that, was incredible. Like, they managed to eke a lot out of a single machine over seven years. The PS3 in particular, though, has very odd um, hardware inside it in terms of the core layout and memory configuration and so on. Yeah, so it's perfectly possible that in that six, seven years, the compilers they were using got better, all the tooling got better, they were able to actually target the machine more readily, whereas with this sort of more like PC-style hardware, they're probably using tools they use to target PCs, albeit with specific instruction sets in mind. Because when you're you're most when you're releasing a game, you're usually releasing a binary, so you have to compile it, and then you have to be quite conservative with what architecture ar- architectural optimizations you make. So you have to work on a wider range, wide array of CPUs. Also, and the GPUs, GPUs is more of an issue. Tar- specific render pipelines targeting specific GPUs. So, like if you've downloaded a graphics driver recently, you'll see there are hundreds of megabytes, and what most of that is is pretty much boils down to big gnarly if statements to handle specific cases of specific rendering functions in specific games. Yeah. So the driver effectively handles, that's what NVIDIA calls them, game-ready drivers. That means they've just put in the hacks to make their drivers specifically deal with the, the edge cases of a new AAA game. Yeah, look good in the benchmarks. Yeah, so I mean the fact that 
all modern consoles are on AMD chips. That's actually a fairly good argument that if you're building a gaming PC, an AMD card, even though they may not have the performance of the NVIDIA cards, it's an, an AMD one is maybe a good option in terms of optimized render pipelines and so on. Yeah, I mean, this is sort of quite timely this morning. Linus Tech Tips on YouTube, they had they launched their Christmas gift guide where they build a $500, $1,000, $2,000 PCs for gaming. And the $500 one is um, AMD processor, AMD RX 480 um, GPU. You know, it's, it's a bit more than what's in these machines or in the PlayStation 4 Pro, but, you know, it's you're pretty much building up PlayStation 4 Pro. Yeah, I mean, an RX 480 is 5.8 teraflops, so that's, you know, a quarter again more than a PlayStation 4 Pro. Yeah. Um, So I kind of, um, I had this thought, like, um, a couple of years ago when Xbox One came out, and I thought, you know what, I'm not going to buy an Xbox One. I'm going to build a living room gaming PC, you know, that's only used for gaming. Um, um, I gave myself the same budget, I gave myself £400, and I built what I refer to as the Steam Bone, because it's like an X-Bone, but... uh, for running Steam, <laughs> and yeah. uh, I'll, put, I'll put a link in the show notes there to my build for that. And um, I've it's been great. I've I've loved it. It's and you know people are say like oh yeah, but a console it's dedicated. You just turn it on and play a game. And you know if you're listening to this and you have a console, you know that's not true, don't you? You you know how often you're turning on. Oh yeah, but if you if if you game like I do, where you only turn it on like once every couple of weeks. There's a software update waiting to do before it will connect to the network, and then the game itself wants the update as well. So you're waiting 15 minutes before you even get to start playing. Yeah, that's if you're lucky and it's downloading quickly off their servers. Yeah. So yeah, so the way I have my Steam Bone set up, it's it just puts straight into big picture mode in Steam, and everywhere I can turn on automatic updates and have them just install automatically. It's all turned on, so it just does the same thing basically. If I've not turned it on in ages, it'll have a bunch of updates. Yep. Most of the time, it's just fine. Um, most of the time, I never have to touch the keyboard and mouse. I just use the joypad. Um, big picture is pretty good for that. The only niggle, the only niggle I kind of hit in that is there's the odd game which even though you can play it fine with the joypad, and you can start it from Steam with the joypad, that they launch up some splash thing where you've got to like click OK. Oh, okay. Just, yeah. A lot of them you can like fiddle the XE it's pointing at to make it avoid that but it's just a bit annoying it's the only sort of slight bit of friction in the process that I've hit um, but otherwise it's it's just like a console really only it it kind of uh, works much better and then the brilliant thing about being on Steam is you get access to the huge back catalogue of cheap stuff and yeah certainly connection to Steam is one of the quite appealing bits about building any game in PC I mean even on the Mac I've got quite a lot of titles I've, I've, I've bought over the years just to play like lots of what we describe as indie games. Yeah, I mean, that's one of the main reasons to do it as well. There's a whole bunch of indie games I love, like most recently playing uh, Firewatch and uh, Switcher. Yeah. Right? Switcher, yeah. Um, and in terms of performance, even for modern AAA games, I mean, I guess the last AAA game I played was Fallout 4. And you kind of think, oh, I got a, you know, a cheap-ass £400 gaming PC three years ago sort of thing. But, you know, it's... It's 2.2 teraflops in the GPU there, which makes it more powerful than a, P- a PS4 or an Xbox One. It's not as powerful yeah. as a 4 Pro, but I mean, it's, you know, Fallout 4 was written for all these consoles too, so it handles it just fine. Good graphics settings, yeah. you know, looks nice. Yeah, I'd argue people should build, 
people should build gaming PCs. So the one the one argument I'd have against this now is when you built this, you compared it to the then not yeah, be then new Xbox One, and you give yourself yeah. a budget of four hundred and forty pounds. The same budget. Yeah. So now, like today, looking at Amazon, uh, Amazon UK, um, it's three hundred and thirty-two pounds forty-nine for a PlayStation Four Pro. Like, that's hard to compete with. Three fifty, is it? Should we have a go? <laughs> three hundred and thirty. Maybe not right now, but I think that may be a good challenge for next week. I think we should see what we can build. No, come on, I'm on. I'm on PC Parker right now. Let's just do it quickly, <laughs> right? Okay, okay. We might, we might have to heavily edit this, but let's do it. No, no, no. We can do it quick. So let's start with the video card. So the video card, this is going to have to be something like a 1060, only a, a probably a 480. Okay. Uh, what did I say the 480 was a moment ago, actually? I said that, actually, I said the 480 was 5 teraflops, so that's a bit faster. Yep. So let's put in uh, 4 gig or 8 gig. Let's go 8 gig. Go big or go home. That's uh, <laughs> even more powerful. Here's an Asus one for 247, so let's have that. How much RAM... Actually, I should choose a motherboard first. Well, well actually, what CPU are we going to have in this? I was thinking we should, if we can get like that i3, what is it, 6300 we talked about last week, that would be perfect. Well, it may be a bit expensive. Yeah, because I used a Pentium when I built mine. Yep. Because you save a lot of you save a lot of money. Yeah, 6300 is 100 quid. That's that's not, that's not happening. Okay. Um, let's go for some cheapy Pentium thing. What, what's the current generation Pentiums called? G4400, what's that like? Is that any good? Get into the arc. A G4400 is a Skylake 2 core, 3.3 gigahertz. That's pretty good. Yep. No turbo, I guess, no um, hyper threading. Yeah, I'm just going for the cheapest gigabyte motherboard I can find on this. What's the cheapest I can go in the RAM? A gigabyte of RAM, that's probably not enough. No, we need we need eight. We need to match the PS. But the PS4 is sharing the memory, and I've already put an eight gig GPU in there, which I think is probably <laughs> going to blow the budget. But I think I think eight's like the minimum to be useful. Boom, that's in. Okay. Um, CPU cooler, you'll get one with that Pentium. Yep. So we need a, a case, a power supply, some sort of hard disk. I'm going to add the Fractal Design Core one thousand one hundred because that's the case I've got, and it's nice. Okay. A hard drive. To be honest, we're comparing against a console here, so we're just going to have a, a spinning disc. Yep. How much hard drive space do you get in a PS4 Pro? Yeah, a terabyte. A terabyte? That's going to... That's going to be expensive. Is that thing where terabyte drives are like 50 quid, but a two terabytes is like 55 quid? Yeah. Currently, it me with hard drive pricing. I've got, yeah, 40 quid on that. Power supply. Ooh, let's see. I'm just going to purely sort this thing on price and go for the cheapest thing I've heard of out of this. It's probably good enough. It's close enough. There we go. 500 watt one. That's plenty for a low power car like this. Who needs an optical drive? Nobody. That's who. Right. That's everything. I don't have an operating system in here. So, ooh, we're up at 487. Yeah. But I reckon we can do better than this because I've spent by far the biggest bit of this budget is 250 quid on a graphics card. Yeah, we can get that down a lot. What's an RX 470 in uh, terms of how many teraflops is that? To the Wikipedia. Right, here we go. Um, what do you want? Single precision? Yeah, single precision. That's what these are always quoted as. 470 is single precision 3.7. That's not what this thing's telling me. I'm looking at Wikipedia, by the way. The source of all truth. You know, the source of all truth, is it? Yeah. Okay, so that's that's a bit under then. Well, okay, what about the 4 gigabyte 480s? Yeah. I think it still comes in at 5.1. All right, so that takes us down to 428. That's pretty close, to be honest, with... Um... You're right, it's only an extra 100 quid there. <laughs> 30% more. <laughs> all right, yeah, what do your games cost on your PlayStation 4? 
Oh, I have no idea. I guess they're expensive. Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's, let's what's a, what's a recent game that's come out very recently? Battlefield One. Field one PS4. Thirty-three quid on PlayStation and thirty quid on a PC, so there's not much in it. But that's a new game, right? Yeah, it's a new game, yeah. It's an old game, how about try Far Cry three? So it's not on PlayStation four, it's fourteen ninety five on PlayStation three or nine ninety five on PC. It's actually $5 on Steam at the moment. Okay, so where did we get to? 430 quid. 430 quid, and I and this is this is nice bits, or, or you know, fairly nice bits. Yeah, so okay, that's that's not a world away from your yep. your PlayStation 4, and that wasn't trying especially hard. That was me just literally clicking the first things I found in PC Bar Picker. And this is better, right? This is this has got a more powerful GPU, way more memory, right? It's not 8 gigs total, this is 8 gig on the CPU and 4 gig on the GPU. Oh, I've still got to buy Windows. Well, 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 do you? That's, a, that's another question, right? <laughs> okay, so what's the option if you don't buy Windows? Uh, run SteamOS. Ah, of course. Yeah. yeah. What sort of game support is there for that? Um, I've not tried it recently, but it's, it used to be actually pretty good. Um, although I, I will confess I run Windows on mine, but that's because I had a, a valid Windows license. Yeah. Um, Windows licenses. Well, this is saying like 80 quid, but I know you can get OEM ones cheaper. Um, let's add this on. Yeah, and actually, if you shopped around, I reckon you could do a bit better than this. But, I mean, the fact that you can even get close is, is I think, interesting, because you'd think, surely, a console could be much, much cheaper, you know? Yeah. Mm, yeah, it's certainly interesting. Well, I say Steam, Steam saves you money, but what actually happens is you buy hundreds of games that you never play for £5 each. Yeah, that's the yeah the, the classic Steam sale thing, when the more you buy, the cheaper it gets, so you just buy more and then never play them. But you, you get nice things, like in-home streaming and stuff like that as well, so you can games on your Mac but they're actually rendering on your Steam box. So you've got a note in here about Skull Canyon which is Intel's next unit of computing Yeah it's their, new, it's their high end NUC with the Iris Pro CPU on it. I just thought that was um, that was interesting because it's kind of like an all in one tiny little box and I thought I'd see how it compares it's 1.15 teraflops so a bit less than the Xbox One but yep. given that's the onboard GPU not bad at yeah, all so- really it's about the size of two or, th- or maybe three or four packs of cards. Onboard GPU, no fan. Yeah, yeah it's really impressive. Is there no fan on it? I, thought it was a small I don't one. think there's a fan, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's a tiny, tiny thing. And of course, you can always um, upgrade a, a gaming PC. I've made one upgrade to mine in the years I've had it, and that's because I, I got hold of a four-core Core i5 for free that I, someone else was getting rid of that I uh, stuck in there. Yeah. So, you know, it's got its mid-cycle upgrade. <laughs> I could put a mm-hmm. better GPU in there if I wanted to. Take me up Titan to, XP. Yeah, it's a bit, a bit overkill for my uh, <laughs> my needs. 1080p screen yeah. that I'm gaming on. Yeah, so you tempted to build a gaming PC? Tempted by a... Um, really tempted PS4? by the idea of a gaming PC. Uh, I'm not super... I do enjoy the PlayStation. Like I do enjoy that sort of appliance nature of it. But uh, see, I've done my best to make mine an appliance, and that's really how I cheat it. It's literally just used for playing games on. All that yeah. ever happens is it gets turned on. If it's got any updates, wander off and get a couple cup of coffee or something come back and it's done yeah yeah so I, I think i'd be willing to put up with sort of similar for a gaming pc unfortunately it's just so easy for me to drift into this oh, i'll get a you know 6700k and a gtx 1080 and suddenly the box is like 1500 quid yeah that is the problem you're kind of staring at this list on pc bar picker and then you're like oh well i'll just swap this for that and that for that and you're like yeah but this is a pc so i don't need to have a terabyte hard drive i can have an ssd instead 
and you know oh yeah i could have this nice fast dual core which is totally fine and i won't notice a difference but you ooh, quad core you know yeah oh, i think that you said an interesting thing earlier on where you think if you want to run 4k you need like a tesla titan xp oh sorry a titan xp um i always go to say tesla there for some reason um yeah you need a, a titan xp and that leaves this sort of interesting ground where nvidia make a lot of expensive like enthusiast gpus that all can't really run 4k um well they can run it they can do 1080 and then like if you do if you get a gtx 1080 and you're running at 1080p or 1440 you just get like crazy frame rates that seem almost pointless well let's just say so we do live in a nice period where you could buy like a 1060 for 250 quid and it's more than good enough for everything you say they can't do 4k they can do 4k we're talking about whether or not they can run them at a solid 60 frames a second with all the settings ramped up to maximum yeah. Um, whereas, you know, games on the PlayStation 4 Pro that are running in 4K will not have all their settings up, you know, no. all the way up. It no. just doesn't have, just doesn't have the raw compute for that. You, yeah, you see, there's there's comparisons of like play, the, the the first PlayStation 4, um, I think Grand Theft Auto 5 is the one people use to compare it, and the draw distances between that and like a high end PC, and it's quite impressive how much further the high end PC gets and how much better lots of the graphics actually are. Um, but I'd make the point that none of this actually really really matters. That the the main reason my gaming PC is better is not because it's more powerful than a a console. It isn't. It was a bit more powerful than an Xbox One, but not much. Um, it's because it's because it's the huge catalogue of Steam really is an enormous advantage. I can browse Steam on my iPad or laptop or my Mac or whatever. Browse, find a game I want for like four or five pounds because it's on offer. Hit buy. It appears on my gaming PC next time I turn it on then off I am playing a game. It's this enormous back catalogue of games I can just download and play, you know. That's Yeah. That is the real attractive thing and all these indie games and stuff gets patched quickly, you know. And uh downloads. What happened what happened to the idea of like pre built Steam boxes? I know Alien Alienware still make them, but no part of Dell. Yeah, it never really kicked off. I mean there's kind of a it's kind of second resurgence of pre built gaming machines for uh VR, like five VR ready boxes and things like that but um yeah never really never really particularly kicked off yeah yeah a lot of people just don't buy gaming machines yeah yeah it's quite a small market i mean you can pick up i'm just looking now you can pick up some of the um alienware alphas they're little tiny wee boxes like minimal steam boxes you know 400 quid on the outlet actually pretty cheap yeah the other good thing about having i mean if you're listening to this podcast the other nice thing about having a dedicated gaming pc that's not very much is you get all the fun of specking it up and building it and that is that is fun when it doesn't have to work and you can take your time (laughs) you know like it's annoying when your main pc that you need to do your job has got something wrong with it or you've got to faff around building it and you're up till two in the morning but when it really doesn't matter and you can just put it down and not worry about it or you know why yeah because that's the great thing if all you've got is the os and steam you can wipe it and reinstall and Steam syncs everything back and all your saves back off the cloud. It's, you just totally don't have to worry about it. Yeah. So that's real nice. So I think I think that's probably enough for tonight's episode, unless you've got anything else to add. That sounds good, yeah. Thanks for listening to Pincount. Um, we put the show notes online at pincountpodcast.com and in your podcast player of choice. I'm on Twitter at the underscore accidental and you can get Doug at Douglas F. Shearer. The show's got an account too at pincountpodcast. We'd love to get feedback, so you know, leave us a review on iTunes, five stars, please, <laughs> um, or tweet us with the hashtag ask, ask pin count. Or if we've got something really wrong, or you want to add, 
you know your feedback maybe you've built a gaming pc for your living room let us know at wrong on the internet at pincountpodcast.com okay i've just had um time machine try and back up seven gig of stuff since the last time i did the backup and my machine's plugged in all the time i don't know what that seven gig is all i've edited today is some javascript files because <laughs> you're running node right yeah, it's, it's projects with Node.js. Yeah. I've been using um, Yarn, uh, Y-A-R-N, which is a deterministic um, dependency management tool. It runs on top of NPM, um, and it's quite, it's quite interesting when you actually install a project. The project I've been installing and working you, on recently. You mean to tell me someone's written a, a dependency manager for JavaScript, another one? See, it isn't so. <laughs> <laughs> this one's actually good. It's deterministic, which is the... NPM isn't um, it's a whole other headache um, but the last time I installed the project I'm working on just now a few days ago uh, there was 13,700 files to download just just actually what? yeah like, I will I will run it do a screenshot and <laughs> we'll post it with the show notes <laughs> well I mean what like actually what is it doing? well this is the thing there was the, a while ago there was this sort of um what would you call it? Like hoo ha, because you know, you know, people realised this was happening because there was like people were importing libraries just to get left part to add some spaces before their strings to get them to line up with other things, and it was a whole other library. Instead of writing things from scratch, people were just adding libraries, and once you get a few dependencies, they've got their dependencies which have their dependencies, and the next thing you know, you get thirteen thousand seven hundred files. <laughs>